With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Causeway Street Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Pavone. Joel Pavone. Mr. Sean Ducha. Hey, this is Leon Pope, man. You listen to Causeway Street Podcast. What's up, y'all? This is Kenny Anderson. Hi, this is Tyler Zeller from the Boston Celtics. And y'all listen to the Causeway Street Podcast. All you new listeners out there, I'm your host, Joseph Pavone. I'm joined as usual by my two co-hosts. I'm Sean Dutra. What's up? So yeah, like talk about walks yourself. on the B. There you go. Joel Pavone. What up? I'm a Pisces. <laughs> The most romantic, leads off with that. The most romantic sign in all of Zodiac. Oh. You couldn't tell by my voice already. Oh. Sexy. But I'm the producer of this ensemble that we call Causeway Street. In case you missed it. Hey, Bill Walton here, Celtics 1986. You're listening to the Causeway Street Podcast. Yeah. Come here for nothing but the truth. This is where dreams come true. Thank you, Boston, for my life. Where are we going? You guys are such homers. It's your boy Terry Rozier. You're listening to the Causeway Street Podcast. Now listen to my boys Joe Sway, Joel, and Sean. Nobody thought we would be here this fast, especially when I got traded here. It was like, I don't think anybody was thinking that. In a couple years, we would be in the Eastern Conference Finals, but the players on this team, from the first guy to last time, we I mean, last guy, we believe in each other. And we, we never give up, and we feel like we're just as good as any team in the NBA. And um, we feel like we, we, got, we got more work to do. Even though the world's counting us out, we, we're going to keep going regardless. The number one pick in the 2000 NBA Draft goes to the Boston Celtics. What a crazy 48 hours it's been for the Celtics, as they're not only going to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2012, but they have just landed the number one pick. Oh yeah! 
in this year's NBA draft. It's crazy. Welcome to the Causeway Street Podcast. My name is Joel Pavone, and I got Sean Ducher in with me. What's up? And our third man in is our boy Zachy P. Zachy P. Going on. Hey, Welcome Zach. to Causeway Street once again. Hi. And like, how, how do we even begin this? I'm all amped up right now. <laughs> I know. I'm, like, how I'm do we like, even begin this? I'm like a little kid, like we going out the recess right now. We talk I about got... Game Seven, Woo! and then talk oh, about oh. the NBA draft ah, lottery, or geez. you know, how do we? How do you guys want to start off this episode? I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it up to you guys. Um, hmm. <laughs> uh, it's too much. It's too much. It's, it's too much for your senses right yes, now. Yes, I'm a sensing. My senses are overloaded right now. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm just going to start off like this. This has been like the best 24 hours of being a Celtics fan. It's crazy. Of, uh, in a very long time. Probably since yeah. they won the championship, actually. Like, for real. Like, that's probably, this is the best. You beat the Wizards in game seven. You got onto LeBron. You get to, you get to that point where you're like, this is where we should be. We're making some strides for the Eastern Conference finals. Oh yeah, we got the draft lottery. We have the best chance to get the number one pick, and the Celtics finally get the number one pick. The curse has been broken. It's broken. It's been lifted. It's oh, done. It's a wrap. God, and and now there's no chance they're gonna screw up and take Lonzo Ball. So this is just like four. I don't even know. I catch. It's all right. I'm done talking, man. I <laughs> this is. I'm all over the place right now. But the number one pick. Seriously, the number, number one, one pick. pick. That's. Huge. Not only like, okay, so yes, we got to talk about game seven. No, we will. Because game seven was awesome. We're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. But the number one pick, getting that changes everything. Everything. Danny Ainge is now in the driver's seat for anything he wants to do. He wants to trade it. Guess what? You have the number one asset out there right now. You want to keep it? Fine. You have the number one pick in the draft. Like this is, this changes everything. Everything it gives you the ability to not have to make a trade, gives you the ability to go out and sign a free agent, goes gives you the ability to make a trade if you want to to get a big name player. What whatever he wants to do is now on the table, and no one can say, you know, those assets really panning out. Like it shuts me the fuck up. <laughs> really, I've been all over Danny Ainge saying you got to trade it, you got to trade it, you got to trade it. But now, well, I think I think all Celtics fans can. Thank Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Because it's finally paid off, right? Yes. Yes. I think that's uh There's no way there's no way that Danny can screw this up. Whether he trades it or he use or he drafts it. Oh, you it? can you can screw it up. I don't think he will. Okay. But you he could screw it up one hundred percent. Right. Um not only do we have the number one pick this year, we also have Brooklyn's pick next year, which is even better. <laughs> so they just the the grass keeps getting greener, man. No pun intended. Zach, what do you think? What 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 are, what are your first thoughts of uh, this great news that the Celtics have finally landed the number one pick? So many thoughts, man. I honestly, when I was watching it live, I, as soon as I heard that Sacramento jumped into the top three, I was like, "Shit, we were <laughs> we're gonna one just get knocked down to four, and we just got totally blown off on this one." But yeah, I mean, it, as soon as they started announcing those top three, the Sixers dropped to three, and I was like, "You know what? I can live with being number two if, if that happens. I can live with that." whatever the leftover is between Josh Jackson and not not so much Lonzo Ball, but between Josh Jackson and Markel Fultz, I was like, you know, I can live with that. And as soon as number one, I screamed as loud as I possibly could. My girlfriend was like, what the hell is going on in there? But, <laughs> I thought the yeah, Celtics I mean, played last night. What is he yelling about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just a moment, and it, it's going to be something that I think 
has an opportunity to be a moment that we look back on 10, 15 years from now and say, that was when things went into hyperdrive and Boston became the team in the Eastern Conference and LeBron James started to fade away. And I know it might sound a little crazy right now with how things are currently unfolding in the playoffs, but this is enormous. Can't be stressed enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, now you got your, your, your pick of the draft, wherever you want. You know, you could get a, a franchise-setting guard with Markel Fultz. They want to get crazy. They go with the, the wing scorer, the, the beast out on that wing with, with Josh uh, Jackson. I mean, they can go any number of ways. Like Sean was saying, a trade could be in, in, in the uh, in the cards. I, I doubt that they do that just because it's such a cheap option to get a great player. But, I mean, if they really want to go that route, they can. And now, think about this. Even, even further than the draft, you're talking about a team who is in the Eastern Conference Finals right now and a team who has the number one overall pick in the draft. If you're a potential free agent, has Boston not just become the number one landing spot for anyone that's on the board right now? Yeah, it definitely doesn't hurt. I don't think it hurts at all. This is it's like the best of both worlds because you have a team that's competing against LeBron in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, what are the chances they win it? Very low, right? Let's be honest. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. Right. But let's just <laughs> let's just be honest, right? So but you now have a long term option. To wait out LeBron. If Markel Fultz is going to be this guy that's going to be a franchise player for the next 10 years, then you're going to be able to wait out LeBron and build around Markel Fultz and still have still be competitive for that entire time. So if it does explode on the scene for year one, guess what? You have a team already built around him. So there are so many options. And that's what I think it is. Like Danny Ainge has been stingy. Danny Ainge has been frustrating. Because he wouldn't pull the trigger, but and he had obviously no clue. Like no, that, right? He he can't take credit for this being the number one pick, but he can look at it and say, like, "So you guys told you, I told you so. Nah. I told you I was doing the right thing. He lucked out." How does that Nets trade look? They just got a number three and a number one, and we still don't know what next year's picks gonna look like. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, seriously. So well, I think Danny had that. I think Danny had that grin that you're talking about after Game Seven. I don't know if you saw him walking off. Like, like, yeah, oh, yeah. they like, wanted, wanted me to make a move at the trade deadline, and now what? Here, here we are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, let's be honest, Danny. It could have been an easier <laughs> road if you just made a move, but, I mean, come on. Come on, man. Isn't it so much sweeter, though, <laughs> to, like, to see them win as the way they were constituted? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I mean, just not even that, but just, like, get through adversity. Yeah, sure. So, Bye. I don't know. I think it was worth him not doing anything to see, like, the end result, even though it's not, still not over. Right. Still not over. I'm just saying right now. The Southern's got the number one pick, though. I know. The number one pick. I know. The number one pick. I know. They didn't get boned by the ping pong balls. Well, the good thing this is. This is crazy. Well, how do you know there's even ping pong balls anymore? I think there still are. <laughs> There's still. Some, well, the good thing, the good the, thing is. The owners play beer pong back there while they're just waiting <laughs> for those. The good thing envelopes. is we're recording this podcast just moments after us watching it live on oh, ESPN. Yeah. So this is our knee-jerk reaction to. The Celtics landed the number one pick. I don't so. even have an opinion, a firm opinion on what we need to do yet. Yeah, no, you because you, you're still trying to grasp I'm around the fact that it happened. Still trying to figure it out. Yeah. but also check out the uh, Causeway Street Twitter. You can see us going fucking <laughs> ape, ape shit, shit on this <laughs> when they fucking announced that man. That was that was something else. That was something else. I just I loved uh, Magic's face because he was he oh, was yeah. so excited to get number two, mm-hmm. and. They just kind of just glossed over that. Well, like, he, oh, the Lakers get number two. Oh, and that means the Celtics get well, the number one pick. Dude, he didn't care as long as he wasn't four and they lost the pick, man. If the Lakers <laughs> lost that pick, that would have been crazy. But how 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 pissed off would you have been with the number two pick? Pissed. 
I would have been pissed. I would have know what got the Lakers. But yeah, the I would have been pissed. I don't care yes. who got the number one pick. Right. I would have been pissed. I would have said that this was uh, awful if we didn't get the number one pick, having the number one chance. So it happened. It finally fucking happened. I mean, we we made our predictions last year around this time because the Celtics were sitting at home for a couple of weeks at that point after losing in the first round. But we didn't really talk about that. This time around, we didn't talk about the draft lottery or, or the potential where they could where they could land, and we didn't make any predictions. Mainly because they're still they're still in the playoffs, which is always a good thing. Yeah, but it's just whatever, man. Whatever, whatever the ping pong ping pong balls may fall, and they finally fell in the Celtics' way. Zach, what did you think? Did you did you think that the, the Celtics would honestly land at the number one? Or what, or what was your 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 guess, your estimation, your guesstimation? I, I honestly can't believe it. It's just it's the way of Boston sports is that you always have to do it the hard way. So I was totally shocked when, when number one came up. Like I said, I mean, I was, as soon as I heard Sacramento got into the top three, I was like, shit, we just, we just dropped to three or four. I don't know which one it's going to be, but it ain't going to be good. And then as soon as, as soon as four kick comes up, it's Phoenix. I was like, okay, top three, you know, now, now I have to swallow the bitter pill of do we want to deal with the ball family? Or do you trade away number three? And as soon as the Sixers came up, I was like, you know what? Uh, I can live with two because we're going to get either Jackson or Fultz, who I love both of those prospects. I think both those guys are great players. And I was like, you know what? Fine. I can live with that. And like I said, as soon as number one came up, unbelievable. So, no, I, I, I honestly, I did not go into it. Didn't think it was going to be one. I was thinking it was going to be probably two or three. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I'm still in shock and I'm probably going to be in shock for the rest of the week because this is just, it's so big. It is just, it, like I, it, 15 years from now, we're going to look back on today and it is going to be a pivotal moment one way or another that we're going to look back at, at this team and at this moment and say, that was what either put this thing into hyperdrive and made Boston one of the big contenders and, and, and a team that, I mean, very, very realistically, it just went from being okay, this is a nice team, we like our Celtics team right now, to being, okay, they're about to get the best player in this draft, theoretically, and be the most appealing free agent spot in the summer of 2017. Boston just put this thing into hyperdrive more often, more likely than not. They just put this thing into hyperdrive, and they're going to be a team going into next year that people are going to be talking about in the light of, hey, this might be a team that can win a championship or contend for a championship next year, opposed to coming in this year saying, well, maybe they make an Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, this thing just went totally to the other side of the spectrum in my mind. And you know what? I couldn't be more excited. I think the Celtics fans overall, for all the BS that they put up with over the years, all the times that we've sat there and said, oh, yeah, we've got the chance to get this pick or that pick or whatever, and we fall back three, four, five, eight slots in the draft, and we're sitting there with our fingers on our backsides and you know, what the F. I mean, this this one is for Tim Duncan. This one's for, <laughs> for back snappy eight. I mean, it, it's this a long time Patino. coming. And, um, you know, it's I couldn't be more excited about it. Yeah, and I, I like it too because – this just made our summer podcast so much more fun, man. Now that we right. <laughs> good shit to talk about, man. There we go. <laughs> I, was looking, I was looking forward to making another best of, man. <laughs> <laughs> but let's live in the future. I mean, let's not live in, well, the, in the present. Sorry. <laughs> what am I even talking about? You're, you're still, you're still, you're, still on, you're still on an ultimate high right in now. In the get moment. It. In the moment. Right now. Right now. All right. Game the seven. Celtics are still in the playoffs because they had a great game seven. Probably the best game Kelly Nick has ever played. In his entire life? Well, the, the Celtics <laughs> the Celtics did their thing at the Garden, mm-hmm. winning 115-105 in Game 7. Kelly Olenek 
Was he the man of the match? Man of the man of the night? What do you think? He he basically just twenty six points. He earned himself a, an Evan Turner contract after that <laughs> after that performance last night. For real, twenty six points, and just with points. the ferocity that he's just out there, just ten of fourteen from the field, fourteen points in the fourth quarter. Yep, when the game was close, yep. that was like a two point game there for a minute. The game was close, and Kelly Lenny took over. I think I think half of Isaiah's assists, twelve assists that he had, were to Olenek. Mm. First off, Isaiah Thomas played really well. Great, twenty nine and twelve. That's superstar numbers and only two turnovers. Yeah, which is that huge. Was, that's great. Kelly Olenek was the second best player on the on the court. I mean, the best. He's a big big story of the night. Yeah, yeah. just because it's so unexpected. Exactly. I mean, you get that type of performance from the bench when your bench outscores. The Wizards had five points from the bench all night. Yep. And the Celtics had (laughs) what? I think forty five or forty forty to fifty points. That. Is domination and and you got you got a consistent performance out of Al Horford who played great all night. Avery Bradley was playing okay, a little under what he's been playing for the entire series. But what did I tell you about Marcus Smart? But we what did I say about Marcus Smart? But we talked about those dudes. We talked about Smart. We talked about Olenek, and we talked about Crowder. Mm-hmm. And those three showed up. So this is the thing. For the Celtics to be successful, I think we all know this, they can't have an off night. They need four or five guys firing on all cylinders yeah. with Isaiah Thomas leading yeah. the way. But we're not foolish enough to believe that only they can put put up numbers like this on a consistent basis, right? Are we? <laughs> <laughs> Zach, what do you think? What do you what do you what's your takeaway from game I mean, seven? Come on. Um a little bit of frustration, believe it or not, with the Kelly Olenek thing. I mean, this is the Kelly Olenek that he was drafted to be. Just go out there bang shots from the outside, get inside when you can, score points. I mean, this is the guy that he potentially and should be on a night-to-night basis, and you get it once a, a month, once every six weeks. I mean, <laughs> thank God it was game seven. Yeah, if you got to uh, get it once a month, it better be in game seven. I'll, t- I'll mm. say that. I mean, I'm cool with that. Well, yeah, exactly. You get it in game seven of, of the second round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, which is which is certainly nice. But that's the thing. I mean, you... you you watch him, he has all the skills to be a scoring big and a good, solid, rotational scoring big. And for some reason, he just loses his mind for weeks on end and then shows up and you're like, whoa, this is the player that you know Danny Age and his scouting staff saw a couple of years back. Did you just say, that's the thing, hun? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think he did. I, uh, I think he did. I think he did. I don't know. I didn't even Unless you wanted him to say that. I don't no, know. I, I think mean, he did. I just, I just heard it and I was like, huh, interesting. <laughs> you, know, you know, we're trying to get to that level tonight, Zach. No. <laughs> if I was, if, maybe if I was in studio. I know, I know. We're wine and dine you over here, man. It gets a little frisky. You can't, you can't, you can't, he can't hold back. I get it. <laughs> I honestly thought Olenek was going to fall out of that game. I thought so too. I thought that's like that's the type of night that he that he was having. Well, let's let's talk about just how bad that first half was. Like officiating, just that first half took. It was it was really frustrating. That took like I really feel like that first half went until about ten o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. That was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. But Kelly Olenek didn't fall out. It's a good thing he didn't, because normally when Kelly Olenek is getting foul trouble, well, I'm think, just like, I think he yeah, pulled fine. him. He, he pulled him before. Yeah, like, it was like a minute and a half left. He's like, I'm, I'm a, I'm gonna have Kelly have get a little standing all right here for I, Kelly O. I, ah, I, ah, I, ah. I will, I will say this: Brad Stevens is the only coach in the NBA 
that would consistently give Kelly Olynyk minutes too. Yeah, that's 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 always been the like the frustrating <laughs> He's part. The only coach, like half of our podcast is is that. Like, why does he continuously right. go to Olynyk when right. he's having shitty performances? But he finally was due one, I and, guess. And I heard to echo what Zach said. I heard Crowder after the game like laugh. He was like, "Listen." This can is, do this, right? <laughs> he can do this every single night if he if, wanted if he to. Wanted to. <laughs> exactly. Like he just needs to be like an assassin. He needs to have that warrior mentality. Just go out there and play tough, hard nosed basketball. We're showing emotion too. And it's, I've never seen him like that. I thought he was going to get in it with Morris. I've never seen him. He didn't back down. I, I, and he like talked back. He didn't just yeah. like ignore like he normally yeah. does. And then when he's going to the bench all fired up, man, I've never seen that type of emotion out of Kelly Olenek. Isaiah hugged him up. Was like, he, he must have been asking him, like, where the fuck have you been all yes. the playoffs, bro? Yes. <laughs> he came from being the worst player on the court in the NBA playoffs in the first two games. Yeah. He was absolutely atrocious to basically single-handedly winning a game seven against the Washington Wizards. It was due. It's crazy. I mean, so let's talk about this. Let's look, let's look ahead. Let's, you know, let's look ahead. But LeBron and the Cavs sitting there, flew to Boston today, waiting for you, you know, game one of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavs Wednesday night. So so now that you've made it past the Wizards, which is a great series, went to Game 7. Okay, this is a tough way to ask the question. First off, let's just assume the Celtics well, are the number one seed, and they um, they have a chance to beat the Cavs. Let's just assume that. What do the Celtics have to do to be competitive in this series? What do they have to do to steal a couple games? I, I think it's going to be really a combination of three things. Um, number one, I think... The guy that's really going to have to make it happen for Boston, and it's going to sound a little weird, is Brad Stevens. He's going to have to basically pull the strings as well as he ever has in his career as a Celtics head coach because this is going to be a series that is going to be decided by the thinnest of margins if Boston's going to be able to win. So when he needs to make a sub, he has to make that sub. He has to get that rotation right from minute one as soon as that game starts on Wednesday. And on top of that, he can't mess around with those runs where he waits until a 26-0 run for a timeout. Like, he has to be on top of it all game long, all series long, if he wants to have any shot being able to pull this upset. Mm. Two, Boston has to get good defensive efforts out of anyone who is assigned to Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, or LeBron James. Any of those three guys, if you're assigned those guys, and I'm assuming it's going to be Crowder on, on James for a good portion of the series. Horford, I would think... On love, but maybe Tamir Johnson to help wear him down a little bit, and then maybe they go with uh, someone else off the bench at that point. But ultimately, I think Horford on love would be a nice matchup, and then Bradley uh, getting all over Harry um, Irving. Those three guys are going to have to play the best defensive series of their lives, and that's what it, that's plain and simple. Those three players are better than. I mean, there's an argument to be made that, you know, at least two of those guys are better than any player you have on the Celtics team. And then Kevin Love, I mean, eh, give or take, I guess. But at the end of the day, those three guys are three of the best players at their positions in the NBA. And if you don't defend them and you don't defend them for the entire game, they're going to go off and you're going to have a major issue. The last thing for me is force the offensive load for the Cleveland Cavaliers onto one of those three stars. I don't care. If they go out there and let LeBron score 40 in you know five games in this series, 
as long as they make Kyrie and, and uh, Kevin Love nominal. You know, keep both of them under 20 points, make their lives miserable, and make LeBron James be the GOAT, quote-unquote. Make him be the best player that we've ever seen to win this series and, you know, with, with everything he has. Because you know what? Worst-case scenario, you lose this series. At least you wore the shit out of him for the finals, so we don't have to watch LeBron win a final. So yeah, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to see LeBron play the best he's ever played. I mean, he's already almost playing at that level right now. I don't know. Yeah. I, I that that's. I don't know, but has he me. really been? Has he really been challenged so far? No, because like the Toronto, Raptors gave up after five minutes into game one. Toronto, Toronto just they took a huge step back. Even even though their acquisitions before the trade deadline or at the trade deadline were to play up against yeah. The Cavs, and yeah. at least they won two games last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so looking at the Celtics' chances, slim, but to me, it all comes down to game one. The Celtics can yep. capitalize on the on the rest, right? This whole thing about oh, the Cavs rested too much, are they going to be rusty? Okay, the 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 fact is is that the Cavs haven't played for a week, and you just came off the biggest victory this team has ever seen. Under Brad Stevens, you have momentum. You have the momentum. You just got the number one pick. This whole organization is feeling great. They need to be able to take game one. If they can take game one, I'm not saying there's a zero chance of the Celtics winning the series. Now, if they lose game one, I think it's done. I think it's probably a five-game series, maybe. But I think if they can win game one, the, the one thing that the Cavs aren't very good at is when they're like when things start to crumble, maybe Tyron Lewis changed that a little bit, but at least, you know, the LeBron James I know, when you put him under pressure, it's hit or miss if he's going to be able to respond. If the Celtics can come out and just say, this is our home court, we win game one, and you win it, if they're going to win it, they're going to win it in a close game, Um, that's going to make the difference for the entire series. Also, I beg to differ with Zach's theory about us having the Southerners having to slow down the big three that they have. I think the big three are going to get what they can get. What I'm worried about is Tristan Thompson dominating the offensive glass. Every single game we have played against the Cleveland Cavaliers, Tristan Thompson has come out for at least a 10 to 15 minute stretch of just being the most valuable player on the floor with his offensive rebounding and just dominating the glass. The Celtics still haven't shown they can rebound. And if Tristan Thompson's there getting offensive boards at will, we're going to have a huge problem, you know, slowing down the Cavaliers team because I don't think it's I don't think it's LeBron going off or Kyrie going off or Kevin Love cuz that's going to happen. They're going to get theirs because they're the best players in the NBA. But if Tristan Thompson's able to give them more opportunities, or it's finish put back the shots that they miss. That's absolutely my biggest thing in this series is how they how the Celtics defend the glass. Yeah, but the the Celtics they're not going to out rebound the Cavs. I'm not saying out rebound the Cavs. <laughs> not, that's not going to happen. I'm not, they, but I'm just saying you they, can't they'll get. Keep, they'll keep it close. No, they probably won't. That's what I'm saying. You have to keep it close. If Tristan Thompson goes off and just has double digit offensive rebounds. Which he had the last time we played him in the playoffs. Okay. And he has every single game we play them. Tristan Thompson seems to be one of the best players. You can't, you have, to, Al Horford has a zero one on him. All right. So then if they do that, so nothing else, that's all they got to do? No. I mean, you have to, obviously, you have to score. You have to play defense. <laughs> you have to do all this stuff. 
But I'm saying they have z- well, zero I think, chance I think that's if what, they're letting Tristan Thompson dominate the board. I think that's what Zach was alluding to, the fact that all three of them can't go off at the same time. They never they're do. Un, they're unbeatable. He's just they saying, never do. Yeah, he's just saying that if one of the three, then it's a different, it's a different ball game. Yeah, which I think is asking way too much. I think you're going to have to get lucky and hope that somebody has an off night. You know what I mean? You're not going to you can't stop LeBron James. No, no one's saying you're going to you're going to stop you can't LeBron James. Stop Kyrie Irving. No, but you can slow him down. You can slow down Kyrie Irving. I don't I think the, I don't know. Go ahead, Jack. I think the teams that play, play best against Cleveland are the teams that make LeBron do everything. Exactly. And I think that that was, that was a theory for a long time on him was if you make him play 35 40 minutes of being the, the distributor, being the rebounder, being the scorer. If he's doing everything, eventually he will wear down. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we saw it happen early on in his uh, time with Miami where, you know, his legs started to go. He had the cramping issue. And, I mean, back when he was with Cleveland the first time around, those, that was one of the biggest things. I mean, given those teams weren't very good. So, I don't know if you can really not measure it up that much. But when he has to do everything, he gets demoralized. I mean, he's a mentally weak player in my mind. I think he's had too many moments in his career where you've looked at him and, you know, he just looks lost or distraught because he feels like he's not getting enough help. And I think you can take someone, whether it's Kyrie, whether it's Kevin Love, you take one of those guys off the court and you make them uh, really uh, one-dimensional for the most part. I think it gets a little bit more difficult for, uh, for Cleveland to be able to beat you because then it literally is LeBron James beating you. And you know what? Maybe he does for a couple of games. Maybe he does, you know, all, all four games. You know, it's entirely possible that he can. He is the best player on the planet right now. But at the end of the day, I would much rather get to the end of this series and say that LeBron James beat us with a, a Hall of Fame historic run uh, opposed to saying, well, yeah, we gave all of these guys their averages pretty much every single game, and they were able to walk on you that way. Yeah, I think I, – so So I guess I sort of agree with you. Yeah. I, I'm just saying – You can't have you can't have all three of them score 20-plus points. No. It, You're not going to win. It, they may. They may, though. But, I mean, like, I think LeBron has been playing some of the best basketball he's ever played this postseason yeah. especially. And he sort of has been doing everything, and they've swept every game so far. Now, granted, the competition – I mean, Indiana put up a fight. But it's been easy, though. Well, Indiana put up a fight. That was a tough matchup for them in the first round. For a first-round opponent, that was a tough matchup, even though they swept them. There was still all, every game was close. So here's where I think the Celtics, uh, other than having to win that neutralizing Tristan Thompson, somehow, the Cavaliers aren't the best defensive team in the league. They're not a great defensive team. So now, granted, our best offensive player is 5'9", so that sort of hurts us a little bit. But if you can score and you can get out in transition and you can – you know, turn off defense into offense and make that a habit. Like we saw in the games they won against Washington, they were out running, they were running the court, they were in passing lanes, turning defense into offense. That is going to be key is I think points off turnovers and that also just making sure that Isaiah is involved and engaged every second of every game. Every second of every game, Isaiah needs to be leading this team in scoring. I don't think you can get away with with a, a, an eighteen point performance by. Uh, no, um, I know. I agree. I agree with Isaiah you. Thomas I agree with you on that. Win, but win against the Cavs. I agree with you uh, about that when it comes to Isaiah Thomas. But like defensively, yeah. why was Game Seven a great game to look at in terms of what's going to come up in this series? They made John Wall shoot. John Wall is not a great shooter. Right. Neither is Kyrie Irving. 
If you're letting him go into the basket he's every a, single he's time. He's a better shooter than John Wall. He's a better shooter, but he's not, like, in terms of, like, top shooters in the league, mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving is not up there. So, you make it hard Kyle for him. Kyle Korver is, though. <laughs> Kyle Korver is. But, okay, but I'm, we're, we're talking about, like, LeBron, and we're talking about Damn. Kyrie, we, right? We haven't even talked about their role players, which are just friggin' stacked. You think so, though? Other than other than Korver. Let's talk about that. Other than Korver. Who else? Who else is who else is coming off the bench to to potentially win you a game for the for the Cavaliers? Other than Corbin. Don't say Deron Williams, because that's not gonna Fry. I thought Jared Smith starts. Is he a starter? Yeah. Fry. Fry. Shannon Fry, you think Shannon Fry's gonna beat you? And, and, and he's gonna he's gonna win a game for the for the Cavaliers? I mean He shouldn't. He shouldn't, exactly. But Thank he you. has in these playoffs so far. I mean, you heard DeRozan. At when he was whining about no one's able to cover LeBron James, DeRozan, like, DeRozan checked out. Yeah, he well, he's a pussy. <laughs> but I didn't know he was a pussy until that. That, but he was like, listen, no one can cover LeBron. The problem is we let Channing Frye go off for of twenty points. We let J.R. Smith go off for of fifteen points. Like LeBron is going to be LeBron. He's going to get his. If you have any chance, it's slowing down the Tristan Thompsons of the world. Okay, but it's other slowing than- down the Kyle Corvers, the the J.R. Smiths, the the. Fucking Channing Fries. I almost called him Channing Tatum. <laughs> That's a white guy. He is white. <laughs> Channing no, but, I mean, Fry, but what do you? But what do you, white. But what do you think, Zach? Like in terms of like the Celtics bench versus like the Cavaliers bench, is there that big of a discrepancy? What do you think? No, I, I think it's pretty close. Right. Um, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I, I, Boston should theoretically, Boston should be should be deeper. They should actually should be better off the bench. I mean, you take a look at the players that Boston has at their disposal. You get a third overall pick in, in Jalen Brown, who, yeah, I mean, it's, he's still a rookie, but that's a talented player right there that should be able to give you stuff. Kelly Olenek, who we saw what he's capable of doing the other night, he should be able to at least, bare minimum, neutralize whatever uh, Cleveland's getting from Channing Fry, if not better whatever they're getting from Channing Fry. And then you have Marcus Smart, who... I mean, in the beginning of this year, I thought coming into it, he was going to be uh, a player that was a six-man-of-the-year candidate. Now, unfortunately, he forgot how to shoot for about two months of the season. But Which happens every that, year. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Pretty exactly. much mark it down but, two I mean, months, he's shooting 10%. <laughs> right? I, what the hell is with that? That doesn't make any sense to me. But, um, you know, I, but they do have very good players off the bench. And I think Boston does have some continuity to their bench that these guys have played together now for – most of them for two or three years each. So yeah. they should know each other. They should have a little bit of a, of a leg up, I think, on Cleveland. But at the end of the day, something that I think Tyron Lou has not gotten enough credit for is he understands the way to use this team and the way to uh, get ahead of his rotations. He's done very well with that, I think, over the last now year and a half. Um, and, and I think these players trust him when he's making his changes and he's, he's you know, working his way through this roster uh, situationally and, and being able to get the right players in there at the right time. So that's another thing that you know we may want to talk about a little bit is that Brad Stevens versus Alan Lou. I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting matchup in its own right. I agree. I agree with that because the last time the Celtics faced the uh, Cavaliers in the, in the playoffs, completely different coaching style, coaching system mm-hmm. for Cleveland – but I mean, this time around, David Blatt, baby, <laughs> who coaches um, not 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 Yabusele, Zizic. I don't know. If that's how you say his name. Zizic. Yeah, that guy. Well, anyways, no. I mean, this time around, I, again, I feel I feel like Game Seven against the Wizards. Um, it's a great example of how they should play against Cleveland and give themselves a chance in this series. They didn't try to when they were down in that game. They didn't try to shoot their way back in. They made smart plays. They shared the ball. 
they look for the better better shot. I mean, look at look at look at Smart. Smart only took two three pointers and made both of them. Compared to how many times in other games he'll just keep shooting away and yeah. shooting away. Well, Marcus Smart had had one of his best games of all time in Game Seven. I mean, that was that was one of the best Marcus Smart games I've ever seen. He was just I mean, you had active Brown. on the defensive floor, defensive end. Yeah, Jalen Brown with, shots. with you know he came up with a block and he, he he grabbed the rebound sitting on his ass literally. Here's here's so I'm I'm gonna bring us back down to earth, Dad. I know we're looking for reasons why the Celtics can possibly win. I'm not saying possibly win, but to make it a series, make like, it a series. Yeah. You know, you you just said that if they don't win game one, then you, that they're done. I think so because I I, I, I don't and, know. But this is this is this is I think gonna be the biggest they're problem. Playing, they're playing with house money. I just exactly. feel like that they they they're, they're playing with they have like nothing to lose. Yep. Because no one's expecting them to win. No, no one's expecting them to win a fucking game, bro. Anybody you talk is just saying sweep, 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 sweep. But here, here's except a, for Kenny Smith. Yeah, he Kenny. Says, Kenny's says, not don't sleep. On he said, "Don't sleep on the Celtics." Shout out to you, Kenny the Jet. When we talked about Brad Stevens and Tyron Lue, that matchup. Yeah. So that's an interesting matchup. Zach the, brings up a good point. The Celtics, Brad Stevens' game plan and strategy works best with a small ball lineup, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The Cavs will. Eat any small ball lineup you put out on the floor because it doesn't matter. They I have think, the best small ball player in the NBA in LeBron James. LeBron okay. James can play the four or five. I mean, I don't think necessarily if you're turning the ball over, yeah, they're go, they're gonna they're gonna eat you up. No, I just think I think it's small ball. If you're trying to go small against the Cavs, they can match up better than they can play better small ball than you. They can, they can because LeBron at the four or the five. Is a matchup problem against doesn't matter who you're trying to put out there, he can defend and guard. So I, that that's where I think the series will be lost is is you know the ability to match up to Cleveland and that with that with their lineup that has been their best lineup. You know when you have Smart, Bradley, Crowder, Thomas, and Horford in the lineup. I mean that lineup, yeah, it's our most talented lineup. But is Marcus Smart going to defend LeBron James? Various points during the series. Yeah, know. I mean, in that, and I think in that situation, they'll have to. He's or a fucking linebacker, man. Or, or who's? I mean, if they put Kevin Love, <laughs> they put Kevin Love at the five, or you know, if they if they go if they go, it, there's just too many possibilities. It's too much talent on Cleveland, too much size on Cleveland that it's going to be very difficult to match up against it. But hey, all right, prediction time. Predictions, Zach. How do you see this this series playing out? How many games? Obviously, you know. Who's the winner? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there's the optimistic side of it, and then there's the pessimistic or the realistic side of it. Sounds like we got a fence sitter. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, not so much. Um, I know know. you're the opposite of a fence sitter. Cleveland has to know how they have the better team right now, and I, I think LeBron James is just on a mission to prove that. He is one of the great players of all time for any doubter that are still out there. Um, so I'm going to go Cleveland in six. If Boston can get them to six, I'm going to be very impressed. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I think it would be a great series for them. Um, you know, I, I think this is a, a great moment for Brad Stevens and, and the young players and, and this team as a whole, really, for the guys that we know are going to be here for the next two, three, four, five years. It's a great moment for them to go into the not too dissimilar to what they had two years ago when they kind of made the playoffs out of nowhere and they played Cleveland in that first year and got their faces smacked off. But I think this is a time for them to kind of prove to themselves that they can play on the same court as this team. 
they can beat them. And maybe they can't beat them in a seven-game series quite yet, but they still aren't that far away and that they're making steps in the right direction to be able to eventually overcome LeBron. Um, so, like I said, I'll take Cleveland in six, but, um, you know, competitive series. And I think, uh, you know, the, the national media is going to be a little surprised with what uh, Boston ultimately comes out with. Dutra, what do you think? I'm going to go Mike Gorman on your asses and say Celtics in six. No, I'm just Ooh. kidding. I don't uh, believe that. After what you've just been saying, I, I doubt that. <laughs> I know. I'm still hoping that the – I mean, trust me. Trust me. I, I can't physically sit here and pick LeBron James to win anything just because there's a deep, deep-rooted hatred there. And I'm just happy. You know what? I'm just happy I get to rock my LeBron is a bitch t-shirt. I've been waiting, <laughs> waiting, for, waiting for two years now. Two years. I can't wear it. Unless we get a playoff series against LeBron. Um, and it's finally here. So I get to wear my jer- my my T-shirt. It says LeBron's a bitch. Really, you know, put my feelings on a T-shirt, which is just perfect. Um, so, yeah, Celtics in six. Fuck it. You're saying Celtics in six? After I'm just after. saying Celtics in six because I can't root for the Cavs. I can't pick the Cavs. I mean, what the fuck? We just came off. We got the number one pick. We got the number one pick, and we're in the Eastern Conference Finals, and now all of a sudden I'm supposed to say, oh, they got no chance. Well, I'm you, on cloud fucking nine right now, bro. Well, I can't go just, anywhere. You you just went into your whole- I know. I know what I said. Explanation <laughs> and of how this team is too, I can't put, too powerful. I can't put the words <laughs> I can't put the words to say Cleveland and, and seven. Uh. I can't <laughs> say it, so I'm just going to say, fuck LeBron. Fuck the Cavs. We got the number one pick, motherfuckers. We're in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's it. Well, my heart wants to say Cleveland in seven. Oh, that's what your heart wants to say? That's what my heart wants to say because I think the Celtics could push these guys to seven. Now, obviously, in game seven, anything goes, especially because they'll be playing at home. But um, too many things have to go well for the Celtics, including you know the supporting cast. The bench has to show up all the time, whether – it's one or two out of the three main guys that come off the bench. Um, Isaiah has to has to score at least thirty or more every single game. You know, Bradley's got to have the 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 energy to do it on both ends of the floor. Uh, Horford, who is, uh, historically doesn't play well against Cleveland, so this is going to be a big test for him. I mean, he's been doing great so far. He got that money now, so he better play better well against Cleveland. Well, this is the reason why he came here, he said, because he feels like this team can beat anybody. So, you know, it's time to it's time to put up or shut up. I really wish we were playing the Warriors in the Eastern Conference Finals instead of the Cavs. No, yeah, that's not possible, bro. I know. It's Just saying, <laughs> we better match up. We match up better against the Warriors. Jesus. It's not possible. Just saying. So, I mean, if those things, like I said, they don't go the Celtics' way, then this could be, you know, six at the most. You know, I don't want to go five. I don't want to say five. I don't think I think the Celtics the number one. Seed. I think the Celtics can win two. I think the Celtics can win at least two games. It's all good, honestly. man. We got the number one seed. It's all gravy at this point. Number We're one seed or number one pick. What, number what one and number one pick. <laughs> oh, okay, what, okay. I, how many times have I said seed? You, you no just been saying, yeah, you just been saying seed the last like two minutes. But Jesus, come on, guys, number one pick, baby. <laughs> They've had the number one seed for quite some time now. That's so. true. I made the number one pick. We got the number one pick, and we're the number one seed. Everything is good right now. We don't have to talk about LeBron James no, we, and how much he's just out there trying to, <laughs> trying to. 
I'm not going to say it because you'll <laughs> mute it out anyways, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, Zach, any, any, any final thoughts on uh, this series or on, on the NBA draft lottery before we uh, let you go? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're going to be able to look back on this season, whether it ends in the next week or so, or hopefully goes a little bit longer than that. Um, and, and I think we're going to be able to look back on, on 2016, 2017 very fondly. Um, and, and tonight was really the crescendo in my mind for a lot of it. In terms oh, of- down great. that word. Yeah, great word. Forward. Somebody took band <laughs> in high school. Oh, <laughs> crescendo. So that, now we get to look forward to uh, the NBA draft and the whole draft process. And, and Danny Ainge, his prophecy kind of coming uh, you know, full circle here. With that number one overall pick, he's got Jalen Brown in his back pocket. His team is moving in the right direction. You know what? I'll tell you. I'll be the first to admit it. The first half of this season, I was worried about this team. I didn't think it was going to be going in the right direction. I kind of lost faith a little bit. But you know what? This team, the players on the, on this roster, have turned it around. Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, love it. And, um, you know, I mean, things couldn't be better. Realistically, things could not be better than, than what they are right now. So, I'm fucking pumped. Hell yeah. Well, they could be better if they do beat the Cavaliers, right? <laughs> well, as of right, as of right now, they can't beat the okay, Cavaliers. Okay, okay, all right, all right. Played cool. them yet. So. Things are looking up. All right, he's, <laughs> he is Zach Pelequin, writer of the Causeway Street blog. Uh, Zach, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, at OTW Sports Radio. Awesome. Thanks again, Zach, for another appearance on the Causeway Street podcast and i uh, will talk to you soon and you know at some point in this series because it won't be a short series i i'm, I'm going out on the limb and saying that all right bye hon it's later zach <laughs> um so hon yeah you, uh, hey i know i know i know we're positivity and everything is going good as as celtics fans can attest to so far but wouldn't it be great to add this to the last like month and a half of the, of the of the playoffs, that oh the Celtics have pushed Cleveland to the limits. The Celtics more can, than any other team. The Celtics should be happy if they push. Not the name the Warriors. Six. They should put, be happy <laughs> if they push this, the the Cavs to Game Six. Now, if they win Game One, my whole mindset is going to change. I'm going to say you shouldn't lose this fucking series. You should win it in six. <laughs> I swear to God, Game One is everything. Everything. All right. Everything. If they're able to come out and, and compete, then this series, my prediction will change. I didn't make a prediction today because I don't like making predictions. But that's false, but okay. I you forced <laughs> me. I'm not jinxing this shit, man. Well, I mean, all this all this sweeps, I, I don't I don't like that. That's nope, we gotta this go. This team this team is better. This team is better are, than that. Spurs are about to get swept. I don't know about the Spurs, but they're about to get swept. I mean, they've they've had a little they've had a little bad luck. Well, we're about to wrap up this great episode of the Causeway Street Podcast the way we wrap up every episode with... Oh, yeah. In case you missed it. In case you missed it, Celtics, once again, are advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2012. Woo! IT, after uh, Game 7, said he drew some inspiration from watching Game 7 of what series? Uh, Pierce versus uh, LeBron. In 2008, in that... Eastern Conference semifinals. That's the that that that's, battle. That's that's one of the best game sevens in Celtics history. That's one of the best like game ever for the Celtics in the postseason. Yeah, just ever, yeah, true. That probably the best game seven they've ever had. I don't know. Maybe. Said he watched that all night. He couldn't sleep. Yeah, watching highlights of of that. 
it's where legends are born. Speaking of legends, Kelly. <laughs> Kelly O. My man. You think he's going to uh, not wear the man bun for the rest of the playoffs? Um, He did pretty well without it. Shoot. Game seven. Yeah. I don't give a crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. Uh, uh, seven years ago this week, speaking of uh, LeBron, the C's knocked out Bron Bron and sent his ass to South Beach. Oh, yeah, when he took his jersey off. Back in 2010. It was all frowny McFrownerson just walking <laughs> off the court like a little bitch. Where, where everyone said, the, the analyst said, oh, he quit. Instead well, of the Celtics actually quit. just. You think you really think he quit, though? Hmm? That whole game was close. It wasn't like it was a blowout. Right. So you honestly think he, you honestly think he quit? Well, I think he realized he can't. I think I don't think he's quitting during the game. I think he quit after the game. He said, he said screw this. I can't get past Boston by myself. I gotta go create a super team. I gotta go. I gotta go. You know, change the way the NBA is played and just go down to Miami, which was awful. So, well, after he went to Miami, he beat the Celtics twice. Yeah, yeah, I know. And in that era between '08 and 2012, Celtics and LeBron were two and two. So, you know, we never got the uh, that one last series before it was all said and done. Mm. Speaking of Bron, Bron, yeah, was he trolling earlier today? You said that the. Uh, they they practice here in Boston. He was wearing his old high school fighting Irish t shirt during shoot around. He just likes to fit in. I think he just really is like, I'm in Boston, I'll wear my Irish jersey. <laughs> fit in, maybe, you know, take a stroll down Boylston after this. Stop at McGreevy's. Really fit in like a normal chap. What would you do if you saw him at McGreevy's? I'd pee on him. Really? No. What if he offered you a drink? I'd probably try to talk to him and just let him know how much I hate him. Be very, like, calm and just be like, LeBron, I think you're a great basketball player, but why are you such a fucking douchebag? That's what I would tell him. And then if if he, if he, he would have, he would have a way to react. If he reacted and said, you know what? I know I'm a douchebag, but that's just part of the gig. I'd be like, you know what, LeBron? I understand you now. So you guys but you know out? what he'd probably do? He'd probably say, "Get this motherfucker out of here!" Get him, and I'd be like, "See, you are a douchebag." He's like, "I, I just," he's like, "I just told you I'm a douchebag." <laughs> the fuck did you expect? Yeah, yeah. So fuck, fuck LeBron. If I saw him at <laughs> walking down Boylston, oh, you'd be. I would, I would definitely. I'd put some type of, I don't know, maybe some type of Celtic pride situation going on where I just go Can't to the store, a- grab some duct tape, see what mm-hmm. happens, man. Mm-hmm. He's a partner, though. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even imagine it. Well, you got Stu. Stu who just left. He, he'd be down. Uh, yeah, Stu would definitely be down. Stu would be down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in case you missed it, Greg Popovich just went off on Zaza. Sure did. And I got a little clip. You got you to hear it. You got to hear it. This particular individual has a history with that kind of action. Because he's got this history, it can't just be, oh, it was inadvertent. He, di- he didn't have intent. Who gives a damn about what his intent was? You ever hear of manslaughter? You still go to jail, I think, when you're texting and you end up killing somebody. I mean, damn, Pop, <laughs> going over the top, Jesus. And then, and then after that, that tirade, he was like, "I'll take any follow up questions, though. Just like, just talk well, normally." After I, that. I was wondering why Doris Burke asked him one question, and he was like, "We need to score more." And she was like, "Yeah, fuck you, Pop. Back to you, back in the studio." <laughs> she was like, "I'm not fucking dealing with this asshole tonight." <laughs> Jesus, but no, seriously though. Manslaughter, Pop? Manslaughter? Really? Yeah, what the fuck are you going with that, man? <laughs> how many times do you think Pop I has killed? I love conv- it. I thought it was great. How many, t- how many people do you think Popovich has killed in his life? Mm, I, I I don't know. 
At least four. You think so? Yeah, at least four. I mean, that dude Reporters or just in, just in overall? Just, no, drifters. Drifters? Yeah. I'm a, Hitchhikers? Yeah. My guess is he's he's put away four, and he's probably got, you know, I don't know, some type of serial killer memento he takes from everyone, like... I don't know. Maybe he seems like a seems like a kneecap kind of guy. He's mm. Got kneecaps of everyone he's killed. I just think Pop, Pop a collection of kneecaps. Yeah, I think Popovich has some deep, dirty secrets that need to be uncovered. And the way he acts like that, and it just says like, why, why does he know so much about manslaughter? Huh? <laughs> why does he? Why does he just? Why is he trying to throw Zaza Pachulia under the bus? Maybe he was a maybe he was a lawyer in his past life. We never know. No, maybe he just loves murdering people, which I really <laughs> feel like if I look at Popovich. If somebody told me, hey, this is a new serial killer, and showed me a picture of Popovich, and I didn't know who it was, I'd be like, that's him. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not surprised. Yeah. But you think? Serial, I'm, not, I'm not endorsing serial killing. No, of course. Of course not. But do, do you think he, he, he has a point, though, when it comes to Zaza? Well, Zaza's dirty as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. But that particular play, though, you think, that you think it was intentional? Play, no, I don't think it was intentional <laughs> at all. Zaza's dirty as fuck. I mean, Zaza's an asshole. And, like, <laughs> but what about. Uh, he's got that reputation. He's a dirty player. He takes cheap shots. But, I mean, manslaughter? <laughs> can't, can't get over that quote. Just manslaughter. That's where you went with it. It was, that, doesn't matter if there was intention oh, or not. That's where you went with it, Pop. That's, that's that, where you went with it. Went with it. Yeah. I think that that's his version of uh, the Grizzlies coach to take that for data so that no one ever asks him that question ever again. <laughs> no one's going to ever even touch that. Uh, even if Zaza does it again to someone else, yeah. he's not going to touch that. I'm just looking at Pop no one's again now on the, on the TV, and it's just, yeah, serial killer, definitely, <laughs> 100%. Um, but what about Bruce Bowen? Didn't he used to coach... Bruce Bowen, who was notoriously known for sticking his foot out. Manslaughter? No, not for manslaughter. For sticking his foot out. <laughs> sticking his foot out every time someone shot, like, you know, a shooter. He, you know, he did it to Kobe. It was, He's done it to Tracy McGrady. He's done it to a lot of shooters. Yes, that's why. That's why and they, had, they, had to, they retired his number in, in San Antonio, too. Bruce Bowen has his reti- yeah, number retired? Does, yeah. <laughs> the fuck are they? What the it was fuck? definitely in one of my uh, past, in case you missed it. I think we had the same conversation. Yeah, what the fuck they got to do in San Antonio other than <laughs> Take out, take out players in their ankles. <laughs> I guess so. Just retire fucking role players' numbers. On, on your way to a championship. You got to win at least one. You won a couple. You got to win a couple. Did he just retire like a bow tie instead of his number? <laughs> a big-ass bow tie or whatever. That would have been great. Uh, in case you missed it, this is a weird story, but um, it caught my attention. Moses Malone Jr., uh, obviously the son of NBA legend Moses Malone, he has filed a civil lawsuit. R.I.P., right? Yes, R.I.P., correct. He has uh, filed a civil lawsuit seeking damages from James Harden for allegedly the Rockets player orchestrating a beating last summer in retaliation for a Facebook post that offended the Houston Rocket All-Star. Four guys mm-hmm. outside of a strip club in, in Houston robbed Malone at gunpoint at 2 a.m. And they stole his jewelry. And these four guys were eventually were arrested. And one of the guys, who is, I guess is the only one that's talking, his name is Darren Blount, says that Harden paid him $20,000 to put a hit on Malone. Not to kill him, but, you know, rough him up a little bit. You have to think that these other three guys also got paid $20,000 or more for all I know. But hmm. seems, like, seems like he overpaid just for a beat up. But you would pay just someone? Just for a roughhousing? Harden overpaid. Harden overpaid? 
He could have just been like, get his boys to do it. Why didn't he just do that? That just seems a lot more. $20,000 to just go beat somebody up? $20,000. No, I'll that's, go get no, my but, ass whooped for $20,000 right now. I'll go no, stand but, out in the parking lot. But only one guy is saying he got paid. The other three are not saying shit. Well, that's because that's. So I think the other three guys also got paid. So you're looking at probably potentially like 80 grand. Who the fuck is Moses Malone Jr.? He's the son of. But what does he do? Like, other I don't than know. Being the son he of. He put up a, a Facebook post about Harden and Harden got pissed mm. off and ordered someone or multiple people to rough him up. Mm. It's, it sounds like a cockamamie story. Well, Harden has never been arrested or questioned about these uh these allegations. Yeah, I feel like I feel like which happened last summer. I don't know what Moses Malone Jr. could possibly say that's been worse than some of the stuff I've seen out there about Harden. And the fact that, like, it's Moses Malone fucking oh, Jr. I found it. Here he is. The Facebook post was Malone criticizing Harden for charging $249 for his basketball camp. Uh, Malone said it, it shuts out the inner city children. So that was it. That was the post. Yeah, this is this is totally made up. This is totally made up. I mean, these court, these court documents are for real, man. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens, but... Jesus Christ. Moses Malone Jr., how many Twitter followers does he have? I don't even know. Maybe maybe 14. Well, the only one, like I said, the only one that's talking, he's a security guard at a strip club. Says oh. that he got paid for 20, 20 reliable, reliable source then. Security guard, strip club. <laughs> Sounds like a real, like, you put him on the stand and his credibility is through the roof. Sir, how many titties do you see on an average night? Yeah, he sounds like someone that would take murder money just to beat somebody up. Harden's got to watch more Law & Order. Bam, bam. Just in case you missed this, brought to you by CNS Radio Mobile app. Make sure you download that bad boy onto your Apple or Android for the uh, best in sports coverage, especially in Boston sports on the web. You can listen to us, the Causeway Street Podcast, on there if you're not already. And make sure you follow us on all social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat, all at Causeway Street. And that's it for In Case You Missed It. And shout out to uh, Sway. Obviously, he's not here with us today, but he should be back soon. He's facing a charge for manslaughter. <laughs> yes, he's part of the uh, the crew that beat up. Trying to beat the rap. Malone Jr. Caught uh, a case. No, I didn't caught a case. We're, we're, we're joking. Now, the man's taking some time off, enjoying his little mini vacay, and I'm just giving him a shout out because seven years ago today, graduated from Springfield College along, along, along with Mr. Hey, Ducha I over here. I fucking did that too, yeah, man. with Ducha yeah. on this day. So I just want to, you know, he's been doing his thing and- just that. Just some just some brotherly love from an older brother to his younger brother. There we go. Anything else you want to add? Any Mr. Dutra? The Celtics got the number one pick. <laughs> oh. oh, that's right. That happened tonight, right? Yes, that shit happened. It feels like so many things happen. I'm just exhausted now, man. I'm like <laughs> physically and emotionally drained. I don't know how I'm gonna watch this game. It's gonna be crazy. But Celtics gotta take game one as my final thought. It's a must win. If the Celtics don't win. Just game one? Or they got to take both? Just game one. Okay. Cool. Just game one. Game two, we'll see what happens. But if they don't win game one, if they go down to 0-1, it's over. Celtics, Cavs, Eastern Conference Finals. Bada bing, bada boom. And there it is. And we'll talk to you soon. I'm Joel Pavone. John Dutra. Later. Bye.